Chapter fifty five, part five of a popular history of France from the earliest times, volume six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A popular history of France from the earliest times, volume six, by Francois Guizot, translated by Robert Black. Chapter fifty five, Louis the fifteenth, the philosophers, part five. He passed some months in Russia, admitted several hours a day to the closet of the Empress chatting with a frankness and a freedom which sometimes went to the extent of license catherine the second was not alarmed quote, go on she would say amongst men anything is allowable when the philosopher went away he shed hot tears and quote, so did she almost he declares he refused to go to berlin absolute power appeared to him more arbitrary and less indulgent in the hands of frederick than with catherine quote, it is said that at Petersburg Diderot is considered a tiresome reasoner, wrote the King of Prussia to D'Alembert in January 1774. Quote, he is incessantly harping on the same things. All I know is that I couldn't stand the reading of his books, intrepid reader as I am. There is a self-sufficient tone and an arrogance in them which revolts my sense of freedom. The same sense of freedom which the king claimed for himself whilst refusing it to the philosopher, the philosopher in his turn refused to Christians not less intolerant than he. The eighteenth century did not practice on its own account that respect for conscience which it nevertheless powerfully and to its glory promoted. Diderot died on the twenty ninth of July, 1784, still poor, an invalid for some time past, surrounded to the end by his friends, who rendered back to him that sincere and devoted affection which he made the pride of his life. Hearing of his sufferings from Grimm, the Empress Catherine had hired a furnished apartment for him. He had just installed himself in it when he expired. Without having retracted any one of his works, nearly all published under the veil of the anonymous, he was nevertheless almost reconciled with the church, and was interred quietly in the chapel of the Virgin at Saint-Roch the charm of his character had often caused people to forget his violence which he himself no longer remembered the next day quote, i should like to know this hot-headed metaphysician was the remark made to buffon by president de brasse who happened to be then at paris and he afterwards added he is a nice fellow very pleasant very amiable a great philosopher a mighty arguer but a maker of perpetual digressions yesterday he made quite five-and-twenty between nine o'clock and one during which time he remained in my room oh how much more lucid is buffon than all those gentry the magistrate's mind understood and appreciated the great naturalist's genius diderot felt in his own fashion the charm of nature but as was said by chevalier chasteleux his ideas got drunk and set to work chasing one another the ideas of Buffon, on the other hand, came out in the majestic order of a system under powerful organization, and informed, as it were, with the very secrets of the Creator. Quote, the general history of the world, he says, ought to precede the special history of its productions, and the details of singular facts touching the life and habits of animals, or touching the culture and vegetation of plants, belong perhaps less to natural history than do the general results of the observations which have been made on the different materials which compose the terrestrial globe on the elevations the depressions and the unevennesses of its form on the movement of the seas 
on the trending of mountains on the position of quarries on the rapidity and effects of the currents of the sea this is nature on the grand scale m fleurent truly said quote, buffon aggrandizes every subject he touches born at montbard in burgundy on the seventh of september seventeen o seven buffon belonged to a family of wealth and consideration in his province in his youth he travelled over europe with his friend the duke of kingston on returning home he applied himself at first to mathematics with sufficient success to be appointed at twenty-six years of age in seventeen thirty three adjunct in the mechanical class at the academy of sciences in seventeen thirty nine he received the superintendence of the jardin du roi not long since enlarged and endowed by richelieu and lovingly looked after by the scholar dufay who had just died himself designating buffon as his successor he had shifted from mechanics to botany quote, not he said that he was very fond of that science which he had learned and forgotten three times end quote. but he was aspiring just then to the jardin du roi his genius was yet seeking its proper direction quote, there are some things for me he wrote to president de brasse but there are some against and especially my age however if people would but reflect they would see that the superintendence of the jardin du roi requires an active young man who can stand the sun who is conversant with plants and knows the way to make them multiply who is a bit of a connoisseur in all the sorts used in demonstration there and above all who understands buildings in such sort that in my own heart it appears to me that i should be exactly made for them but i have not as yet any great hope in buffon's hands the jardin du roi was transformed in proportion as his mind developed the requirements of the study appeared to him greater and greater he satisfied them fearlessly getting together collections at his own expense opening new galleries constructing hothouses being constantly seconded by the goodwill of louis the fifteenth who never shrank from expenses demanded by buffon's projects the great naturalist died at eighty years of age without having completed his work but he had imprinted upon it that indisputable stamp of greatness which was the distinctive feature of his genius the jardin du roi which became the jardin des plantes has remained unique in europe fully engaged as he was in those useful labours from the age of thirty buffon gave up living at paris for the greater part of the year he had bought the ruins of the castle of montbard the ancient residence of the dukes of burgundy overlooking his native town he had built a house there which soon became dear to him and which he scarcely ever left for eight months in the year there it was in a pavilion which overhung the garden planted in terraces and from which he had a view of the rich plains of la brenne that the great naturalist carefully dressed by five o'clock in the morning meditated the vast plan of his works as he walked from end to end and side to side Quote, i passed delightful hours there he used to say when he summoned his secretary the work of composition was completed m de buffon gives reasons for the preference he shows as to every word in his discourses without excluding from the discussion even the smallest particles the most insignificant conjunctions says madame necker he never forgot that he had written the style is the man the language could not be allowed to derogate from the majesty of the subject i made it a rule he used to say to always fix upon the noblest expressions it was in this dignified and studious retirement that buffon quietly passed his long life quote, 
i dedicated he says twelve nay fourteen hours to study it was my whole pleasure in truth i devoted myself to it far more than i troubled myself about fame fame comes afterwards if it may and it nearly always does buffon did not lack fame on the appearance of the first three volumes of his histoire naturelle published in seventeen forty nine the breadth of his views the beauty of his language and the strength of his mind excited general curiosity and admiration the sorbonne was in a flutter at certain bold propositions buffon without being disconcerted took pains to avoid condemnation Quote, i took the liberty he says in a letter to m leblanc of writing to the duke of nivernais then ambassador at rome who has replied to me in the most polite and most obliging way in the world i hope therefore that my book will not be put in the index and in truth i have done all i could not to deserve it and to avoid theological squabbles which i fear far more than i do the criticisms of physicists and geometricians Quote, out of a hundred and twenty assembled doctors he adds before long i had a hundred and fifteen and their resolution even contains eulogies which i did not expect despite certain boldnesses which had caused anxiety the sorbonne had reason to compliment the great naturalist the unity of the human race as well as its superior dignity were already vindicated in these first efforts of buffon's genius and his mind never lost sight of this great verity Quote, in the human species he says the influence of climate shows itself only by slight varieties because this species is one and is very distinctly separated from all other species man white in europe black in africa yellow in asia and red in america is only the same man tinged with the hue of climate as he is made to reign over the earth as the whole globe is his domain it seems as if his nature were ready prepared for all situations beneath the fires of the south amidst the frosts of the north he lives he multiplies he is found to be so spread about everywhere from time immemorial that he appears to affect no climate in particular whatever resemblance there may be between the hottentot and the monkey the interval which separates them is immense since internally he is garnished with mind and externally with speech buffon continued his work adroitly availing himself of the talent and researches of the numerous co-operators whom he had managed to gather about him directing them all with indefatigable vigilance in their labors and their observations Quote, genius is but a greater aptitude for perseverance he used to say himself justifying his definition by the assiduity of his studies Quote, i had come to the sixteenth volume of my work on natural history he writes with bitter regret when a serious and long illness interrupted for nearly two years the course of my labors this shortening of my life already far advanced caused one in my works i might in the two years i have lost have produced two or three volumes of the history of birds without abandoning for that my plan of a history of minerals on which i have been engaged for several years in seventeen fifty three buffon had been nominated a member of the french academy he had begged his friends to vote for his compatriot Piron, author of the celebrated comedy metromanie at that time an old man and still poor quote, i can wait said buffon quote, two days before that fixed for the election writes grimm 
the king sent for president montesquieu to whose lot it had fallen to be director of the academy on that occasion and told him that understanding that the academy had cast their eyes upon m piron and knowing that he was the author of several licentious works he desired the academy to choose some one else to fill the vacant place his majesty at the same time told him that he would not have any member belonging to the order of advocates buffon was elected and on the twenty fifth of august seventeen fifty four st louis day he was formally received by the academy grimm describes the session m de buffon did not confine himself to reminding us that chancellor seguier was a great man that cardinal richelieu was a very great man that kings louis the fourteenth and louis the fifteenth were very great men too that the archbishop of sens whom he succeeds was also a great man and finally that all the forty were great men this celebrated man disdaining the stale and heavy eulogies which are generally the substance of this sort of speech thought proper to treat of a subject worthy of his pen and worthy of the academy he gave us his ideas on style and it was said in consequence that the academy had engaged a writing-master well-written works are the only ones which will go down to posterity said buffon in his speech quantity of knowledge singularity of facts even novelty in discoveries are not certain guarantees of immortality knowledge facts discoveries are easily abstracted and transferred those things are outside the man the style is the man himself the style then cannot be abstracted or transferred or tampered with if it be elevated noble sublime the author will be equally admired at all times for it is only truth that is durable and even eternal never did the great scholar who has been called quote, the painter of nature end quote, relax his zeal for painstaking as a writer quote, i am every day learning to write he would still say at seventy years of age to the theorie de la terre the idee generale sur les animaux and the histoire de l'homme already published when buffon was elected by the french academy succeeded the twelve volumes of the histoire des quadrupèdes a masterpiece of luminous classifications and incomparable descriptions eight volumes on oiseaux appeared subsequently a short time before the histoire des minéraux lastly a few years before his death buffon gave to the world the époque de la nature Quote, as in civil history one consults titles hunts up medals deciphers antique inscription to determine the epochs of revolutions amongst mankind and to fix the date of events in the moral world so in natural history we must ransack the archives of the universe drag from the entrails of the earth the olden monuments gather together their ruins and collect into a body of proofs all the indications of physical changes that can guide us back to the different ages of nature it is the only way of fixing certain points in the immensity of space and of placing a certain number of memorial stones on the endless road of time Quote, this is what i perceive with my mind's eye buffon would say thus forming a chain which from the summit of time's ladder descends right down to us Quote, this man exclaimed hume with an admiration which surprised him out of his scepticism this man gives to things which no human eye has seen a probability almost equal to evidence. 
some of buffon's theories have been disputed by his successor's science as d'alembert said of descartes quote, if he was mistaken about the laws of motion he was the first to divine that there must be some buffon divined the epochs of nature and by the intuition of his genius absolutely unshackled by any religious prejudice he involuntarily reverted to the account given in genesis quote, we are persuaded he says independently of the authority of the sacred books that man was created last and that he only came to wield the sceptre of the earth when that earth was found worthy of his sway it has often been repeated on the strength of some expressions let fall by buffon amongst intimates that the panorama of nature had shut out from his eyes the omnipotent god creator and preserver of the physical world as well as of the moral law wrong has been done to the great naturalist he had answered beforehand these incorrect opinions as to his fundamental ideas quote, nature is not a being he said for that being would be god end quote. and he adds quote, nature is the system of the laws established by the creator end quote. the supreme notion of providence appears to his eyes in all its grandeur when he writes quote, the verities of nature were destined to appear only in course of time and the supreme being kept them to himself as the surest means of recalling man to him when his faith declining in the lapse of ages should become weak when remote from his origin he might begin to forget it when in fine having become too familiar with the spectacle of nature he would no longer be moved by it and would come to ignore the author it was necessary to confirm from time to time and even to enlarge the idea of god in the mind and heart of man now every new discovery produces this grand effect every new step that we make in nature brings us nearer to the creator a new verity is a species of miracle its effect is the same and it only differs from the real miracle in that the latter is a startling stroke which god strikes instantaneously and rarely instead of making use of man to discover and exhibit the marvels which he has hidden in the womb of nature and in that as these marvels are operating every instant as they are open at all times and for all time to his contemplation god is constantly recalling him to himself not only by the spectacle of the moment but further by the successive development of his works buffon was still working at eighty years of age he had undertaken a dissertation on style a development of his reception speech at the french academy great sorrows had crossed his life married late to a young wife whom he loved he lost her early she left him a son brought up under his wing and the object of his constant solicitude just at the time of sending him to school he wrote to madame d'aubanton wife of his able and learned co-operator i expect buffonet on sunday I have arranged all his little matters. He will have a private room with a closet for his manservant. I have got him a tutor in the schoolhouse itself, and a little companion of his own age. I do not think that he will be at all unhappy. And at a later date, when he is expecting this son who has reached man's estate and has been travelling in Europe, quote, My son has just arrived. The Empress and the Grand Duke have treated him very well, and we shall have some fine minerals the collection of which is being at this moment completed. I confess that anxiety about his return has taken away my sleep and the power of thinking. 
when the young count de buffon an officer in the artillery and at first warmly favourable to the noble professions of the french revolution had like his peers to mount the scaffold of the terror he damned with one word the judges who profaned in his person his father's glory Quote, citizens he exclaimed from the fatal car my name is buffon with less respect for the rights of genius than was shown by the Algerian pirates who let pass, without opening them, the chests directed to the great naturalist, the executioner of the Committee of Public Safety cut off his son's head. This last drop of bitterness and the cruel spectacle of social disorder Buffon had been spared. He had died at the Jardin du Roi on the 14th of April, 1788, preserving at eighty years of age, and even in the feebleness of ill health, all the powers of his intelligence and the calm serenity of his soul. His last lines dictated to his son were addressed to Madame Necker, who had been for a long time past on the most intimate terms with him. Faithful in death to the instincts of order and regularity which had always controlled his mind even in his boldest flight, he requested that all the ceremonies of religion should be fulfilled around his body. His son had it removed to Montbard, where it lies between his father and his wife. Buffon had lived long, he had accomplished in peace his great work, he had reaped the fruits of it. On the eve of the terrible shocks whereof no presage disturbed his spirit, quote, directed for fifty years towards the great objects of nature, end quote, the illustrious scholar had been permitted to see his statue placed during his lifetime in the Jardin du Roi. On sending to the Empress Catherine his bust which she had asked him for, he wrote to his son who had charge of it, quote, I forgot to remark to you, whilst talking of bust and effigy, that by the king's order they have put at the bottom of my statue the following inscription, Majestati Naturae par Ingenium, or Genius to match the majesty of nature. It is not from pride that I send you this, but perhaps Her Majesty will have it put at the bottom of the bust. Quote, How many great men do you reckon? Buffon was asked one day. Quote, Five, answered he at once. Newton, Bacon, Leibniz, Montesquieu, and myself. End quote. This self-appreciation, fostered by the homage of his contemporaries, which showed itself in Buffon undisguisedly with an air of ingenuous satisfaction, had poisoned a life already extinguished ten years before amidst the bitterest agonies. Taking up arms against a society in which he had not found his proper place, Jean-Jacques Rousseau had attacked the present as well as the past the encyclopedists, as well as the old social organization. It was from the first his distinctive trait to voluntarily create a desert around him. The eighteenth century was in its nature easily seduced, liberal, generous, and open to allurements. It delighted in intellectual contentions, even the most dangerous and the most daring. It welcomed with alacrity all those who thus contributed to its pleasures. The charming drawing-rooms of Madame Geoffrin, of madame du Deffant, of mademoiselle l'espinasse belonged of right to philosophy Quote, being men of the world as well as of letters the philosophers of the eighteenth century had passed their lives in the pleasantest and most brilliant regions of that society which was so much attacked by them it had welcomed them made them famous they had mingled in all the pleasures of its elegant and agreeable existence they shared in all its tastes its manners all the refinements all the susceptibilities of a civilization at the same time old and rejuvenated aristocratic and literary they were of that old regimen which was demolished by their hands 
the philosophical circle was everywhere amongst the people of the court of the church of the long robe of finance haughty here complacent there at one time indoctrinating at another amusing its hosts but everywhere young active confident recruiting and battling everywhere penetrating and fascinating the whole of society m guizot madame la comtesse de rumford rousseau never took his place in this circle in this society he marched in front like a pioneer of new times attacking tentatively all that he encountered on his way Quote, nobody was ever at one and the same time more factious and more dictatorial is the clever dictum of m saint-marc girardin rousseau was not a frenchman french society always felt that in consequence of certain impressions of his early youth which were never to be effaced born at geneva on the twenty eighth of june seventeen twelve in a family of the lower middle class and brought up in the first instance by an intelligent and a pious mother he was placed like voltaire and diderot in an attorney's office dismissed with disgrace quote, as good for nothing but to ply the file end quote. the young man was bound apprentice to an engraver quote, a clownish and violent fellow says rousseau who succeeded very shortly in dulling all the brightness of my boyhood brutalizing my lively and loving character and reducing me in spirit as i was in fortune to my real position of an apprentice end quote. rousseau was barely sixteen when he began that roving existence which is so attractive to young people so hateful in ripe age and which lasted as long as his life flying from his master whose brutality he dreaded and taking refuge at oarmet in savoy with a woman whom he at first loved passionately only to leave her subsequently with disgust he had reached the age of one-and-twenty and had already gone through many adventures when he set out heart-sore and depraved to seek at paris a means of subsistence he had invented a new system of musical notation the academy of sciences which had lent him a favourable ear did not consider the discovery useful some persons had taken an interest in him but rousseau could never keep his friends and he had many zealous and devoted he was sent to venice as secretary to the french ambassador m de montaigu he soon quarrelled with the ambassador and returned to paris he found his way into the house of madame dupin wife of a rich farmer-general of taxes he was considered clever he wrote little plays which he set to music enthusiastically welcomed by the friends of madame dupin he contributed to their amusements Quote, we began with the engagement temeraire says madame d'epinay in her memoirs it is a new play by m rousseau a friend of m de franqueuil's who introduced him to us the author played a part in his piece though it is only a society play it was a great success i doubt however whether it would be successful at the theatre but it is the work of a clever man and no ordinary man i do not quite know though whether it is what i saw of the author or of the piece that made me think so he is complimentary without being polite or at least without having the air of it he seems to be ignorant of the usages of society but it is easy to see that he has infinite wit he has a brown complexion and eyes full of fire light up his face when he has been speaking and you watch him you think him good-looking but when you recall him to memory it is always as a plain man he is said to be in bad health it is probably that which gives him from time to time a wild look it was amid this brilliant intimacy humiliating and pleasant at the same time 
that rousseau published his discours sur les sciences et les arts it has been disputed whether the inspiration was such as he claimed for this production the first great work which he had ever undertaken and which was to determine the direction of his thoughts Quote, i was going to see diderot at vincennes he says and as i walked i was turning over the leaves of the mercure de france when i stumbled upon this question proposed by the academy of dijon whether the advance of sciences and arts has contributed to the corruption or purification of morals all at once i felt my mind dazzled by a thousand lights crowds of ideas presented themselves at once with a force and a confusion which threw me into indescribable bewilderment i felt my head seized with a giddiness like intoxication a violent palpitation came over me my bosom began to heave unable to breathe any longer as i walked i flung myself down under one of the trees in the avenue and there spent half an hour in such agitation that on rising up i found all the front of my waistcoat wet with tears without my having had an idea that i had shed any whether it were by natural intuition or the advice of diderot jean-jacques had found his weapons poor and obscure as he was he attacked openly the brilliant and corrupt society which had welcomed him for its amusement spiritualistic at heart and nurtured upon holy scripture in his pious childhood he felt a sincere repugnance for the elegant or cynical materialism which was every day more and more creeping over the eighteenth century Quote, sciences and arts have corrupted the world he said and he put forward as proof of it the falsity of the social code the immorality of private life the frivolity of the drawing-rooms into which he had been admitted Quote, suspicions heart-burnings apprehensions coldness reserve hatred treason lurk incessantly beneath that uniform and perfidious veil of politeness under that so much vaunted urbanity which we owe to the enlightenment of our age rousseau had launched his paradox the frivolous and polite society which he attacked was amused at it without being troubled by it it was a new field of battle opened for brilliant jousts of wit he had his partisans and his admirers in the discussion which ensued jean-jacques showed himself more sensible and moderate than he had been in the first exposition of his idea he had wanted to strike to astonish he soon modified the violence of his assertions Quote, let us guard against concluding that we must now burn all libraries and pull down the universities and academies he wrote to king stanislaus we should only plunge europe once more into barbarism and morals would gain nothing by it the vices would remain with us and we should have ignorance besides in vain would you aspire to destroy the sources of the evil in vain would you remove the elements of vanity indolence and luxury in vain would you even bring men back to that primal equality the preserver of innocence and the source of all virtue their hearts once spoiled will be so for ever there is no remedy now save some great revolution almost as much to be feared as the evil which it might cure and one which it were blamable to desire and impossible to forecast let us then leave the sciences and arts to assuage in some degree the ferocity of the men they have corrupted the enlightenment of the wicked is at any rate less to be feared than his brutal stupidity rousseau here showed the characteristic which invariably distinguished him from the philosophers and which ended by establishing deep enmity between them and him the eighteenth century espied certain evils certain sores in the social and political condition believed in a cure and blindly relied on the power of its own theories 
rousseau more earnest often more sincere made a better diagnosis of the complaint he described its horrible character and the dangerousness of it he saw no remedy and he pointed none out profound and grievous impotence whose utmost hope is an impossible recurrence to the primitive state of savagery Quote, in the private opinion of our adversaries says m roy de collard eloquently it was a thoughtless thing on the great day of creation to let man loose a free and intelligent agent into the midst of the universe thence the mischief and the mistake a higher wisdom comes forward to repair the error of providence to restrain his thoughtless liberality and to render to prudently mutilated mankind the service of elevating it to the happy innocence of the brute before rousseau and better than he christianity had recognized and proclaimed the evil but it had at the same time announced to the world a remedy and a saviour chapter fifty five part five